Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me for this third interview in the six-part series we're doing with Launch Factory. Uh, in this interview, I speak with Kimberly King. Um, she's pretty amazing. She has tons of experience working with entrepreneurs and working in the investment space. Um, so she brings a very unique and critical role, um, a critical skill set to uh, her role at Launch Factory. Um, the interview is uh, pretty amazing, so please listen, and uh, um, I think she has tons to share with us. Um, having said all of that, if you do have any questions, my email address is on screen, so please reach out to me directly, or you can reach out to anyone at Launch Factory through the page. Uh, all of the contact information is there. Um, uh, having said all of that, let's get into the interview. So, Kim, thank you so much for coming on Startup Share today. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now. Um, I know you were a strategic advisor to Launch Factory, but now you're you're sort of committing yourself and you're being a you're, you're a partner to Launch Factory and the funds that they're raising. Um, so that's that's amazing, and I want to learn about your sort of uh, relationship with Launch Factory. Before we get into all of that, let's start with your story because I want to learn more about you. Uh, tell me about your background and how you sort of got started in this industry. Uh, so I was an engineering major. I went to Stanford, class of 1988, and studied industrial engineering. Um, and then did just kind of traditional industrial engineering work over the summer, really realized um, I wanted to do something more broad. Um, so ended up doing consulting. So I worked for Anderson Consulting for four years. Always had planned to go to business school. I had an opportunity even at Stanford to take a couple courses at GSB. Um, so then four years later, I went to business school. So I graduated from Harvard Business School in 1994. Um, did an internship my first summer at business school at Microsoft, working in the product uh, management area for a product called Encarta which is the multimedia encyclopedia. Um, after graduating from HBS, I was torn of, should I go back to Microsoft or had another opportunity to join Oracle Consulting Group. Um, but I was very interested in startups and had a very influential professor, Professor William Solomon, who um, not only was one of my entrepreneur finance professors, but also was my advisor for um, our senior, you know, the second year project. And he would always do a um, talk on venture capital and how you have a snowball's chance in hell. <laughs> but I thought, well, I could utilize my network both from Harvard and from Stanford to at least talk to VCs about their startups, specifically in the multimedia area. So I went off and did that because I was really trying to see, do I want to join a startup, a small company, or go to somewhere like Microsoft or Oracle. So started talking with a couple groups and two of them asked me, why don't you just become an associate of the firm? Um, and they were bringing on people. One of the firms was located in Chicago and the other one was located in California. Uh, so I ended up joining Bank America Ventures. Um, it was the past Security Pacific group. So very early venture capitalists. So Merrill Pickard, they all came from that group. Um, at the time, B of A was located in Southern California, in the Irvine area, yep. and they had both direct investing as well as fund investing. 
Um, so we would do direct investments with a lot of the other VCs that we had invested in funds with. And as a new associate, I got assigned um, two groups of companies, the semiconductor companies, because I had a technical background, as well as some of the international companies that they had investments in. Um, so it was just great learning ground. I got to be on the boards of, um, as a board observer, of a, some very influential uh, semiconductor deals, some with Erwin Fetterman, for example, and others. Um, so just got to learn a lot. And I really kind of viewed venture capital as an associate, as an apprentice type of position. So I spent three years at Bank America Ventures, initially just doing due diligence, working with the variety of the partners on the tech side. We had both the tech and healthcare side, um, and then started to source deals. And I really liked that. I really liked bringing new companies um, into B of A, working on the due diligence and working on the partners with them. And so um, sourced many deals, several that we did. Um, one we didn't do that I was very disappointed on was Checkpoint Systems. Oh, I had it okay. all up. Um, we had negotiated the term sheet. I had gotten a co-investor. Weisbeck and Greer was going to invest with us. And then at that point, the healthcare partner basically said he was not going to invest in um, this type of company. I was very disappointed. And at that moment, I really decided I needed to find a place uh, it was different than what Bank America had to offer. I mean, I really liked it in terms of it really taught me um, a lot about venture capital and the workings and the process, but it helped me also really formulate what I wanted into a venture firm. Right. So at a conference, I met Pat Keneally, who was the partner at IDG Ventures. IDG was a $120 million fund with one sole LP being um, International Data Group. Pat McGovern had started this very large public, I mean, not public, private um, publishing company. And they had kind of the good fortune and we call it luck because they strategically did this. But as a corporation, they invested in Netscape and Excite. And after those two investments, they decided they wanted to have a separate venture capital firm. Right. focusing on the technology, leveraging on all of the resources that IDG had to offer. So that's IDC, the research, the different publications, um, as well as the events area. So I joined um, IDG Ventures as initially just a partner, and then a year later was promoted to general partner. There were three partners in the fund. We were located in San Francisco. It was very kind of a family type of atmosphere of fund. Um, I still, to this day, talk to the partners there. They now moved on and now they're part of Ridge VC, but um, Pat Keneally led that group. And there I did a variety of different deals as the partners served on the boards, did investing. Um, the fund did very well. We had two IPOs that were both by companies, VA Linux Systems and F5 Networks, and then a variety of other um, acquisition. So I spent 16 years total doing venture capital. Um, the majority of that time at IDG Ventures. I even got married, so I moved up and opened up an office in Seattle, Washington. I would still come down to the Bay Area. Nice. And then we kind of went through a lot of different market changes in the crash. Um, and I decided I was at that point I was going to leave um, both Seattle and leave um, IDG Ventures. So I moved down to San Diego. Um, I'm originally from San Diego. My parents live here. Oh, okay. And I wanted my family to be here. <laughs> so 
spot. It was a great place because I had visited San Diego when I was looking at a variety of different deals uh, and saw that it's a good opportunity of not being in the Bay Area where it's highly competitive, but what I would call kind of an underserved, very interesting market. Uh, so I was going to join a group here called um, that was down in San Diego for a variety of reasons. Unfortunately, they ended up not closing the fund. I also spent a little bit of time at a couple startups. So I was the acting CFO of Pathway, um, which was a company that was in the DNA testing area. And I also worked with Cash Commerce, spent a little time even at Hercules Tech, which was a venture tech firm where we had an office in San Diego. And then a little bit by chance, um, a individual at UCSD asked me to guest lecture there. Um, so this was at the Brady Business School. And so I guest lectured, then they asked if I would teach a course. I then, after teaching the course, met Lada Rosakova, who runs the SEED, which is kind of the center for innovation for Rady. And they had been approached actually by students to start an accelerator program. Oh, wow. So, so let, me, let me stop you one second, because this is such an interesting story and there are so many questions that are sort of piling up in my mind. But uh, let's talk about the, your VC experience. It, it seems like a really amazing experience. And you had a very sort of varied uh, experience in that, that uh, you were with the VC firm and then you also helped a couple of startups. Um, so just to uh, learn a little bit more about that part of your, uh, your life, tell me a couple of sort of great experiences, maybe some lessons that you might've learned throughout that process that really sort of solidified uh, that period in life for you. Um, anything that stands out? Oh, yes, definitely. So um, some experiences is just my philosophy on investing mm. and um, going through that process. And so I really believe uh, when you look at investing, it's really about the team and about the market. Yeah. I just had a direct experience on that is when I, the reason why and how I met at Five Networks, which was one of our successful, or at least my su most successful investment really centered around, I actually went down to San Diego to visit another company. It was a company that was focused on um, doing storage. And I ended up not liking the company, but through the process, I met one of their board members. And um, he was actually also a board member of F5. And one of the things, at least I believe, and, I went, and also this really goes into Launch Factory, is good VCs are also very proactive. They just don't wait for deals to come. They really investigate the market areas that they're interested in. Yep. I was very interested in infrastructure deals, especially centered around the internet. And Al, who I talked to um, at this company, was on the board of F5, and they were playing in that space. So even though I passed on the investment, I then asked Al if he would introduce me to Jeff Husey um, okay. of F5. So I think one real lesson is be proactive, have an investment thesis, um, go out and look for those good deals versus just seeing what deals come within the, you know, Absolutely. over the Absolutely, also, that's such an important thing, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. And also just the importance of um, the team of the people. When we were looking at doing our due diligence for F5, uh, we really liked the team that Jeff had assembled. Now, we really thought that this would be a company that not only had the passion, but the drive and the really perseverance to do well in this market and really execute. 
and it was a huge market opportunity. I literally, um, I was on the board with Sonia Howell and I were on F5. We brought Menlo Ventures um, into the deal. So knowing IDG Ventures, we were a small fund. One thing I think is another lesson to be learned is syndication and knowing what partners you can really count on and work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Menlo Ventures was one of those. And Sonia Howell is one of my really good friends. Um, and so we invested together. And so I sat on the board with her and we were able to help the company go public. Um, and that was kind of a very instrumental part of my career. Um, we went to the stock exchange in San Francisco for the first time to see FFIB no, oh, flat, nice. as the company um, went public. And, um, you know, not only seeing or being part of helping F5 achieve what they were able to do, but, you know, knowing that this still is a $5 billion company today. Wow, that's amazing. And, and that's that's such an important experience to see the deal through. But I, I think the lesson there is really understanding people and learning people and learning about their drives and motivations. I think that that that's a amazing lesson that I think everybody should learn at some point in their lives. But it's amazing that you sort of learned that, uh, you know, through your VC career. Um, so now let's talk about the education career. Now you're at UCSD. Um, what, what, what's, what, what's, what, were, what was it like to be in front of a classroom full of kids and teaching them? Tell me about that experience. Uh, well, I love being with students. So I actually teach at two schools. So I have kind of the best of both worlds. So at San Diego State, I have undergrads for entrepreneur classes. And we have with the Lavin program, which is an entrepreneur program for juniors and seniors. And then at UCSD, it's uh, the Rady grad students. And then because of our programs now, the umbrella of Stardar, we also deal with the undergrads there as well. Because we have Stardar Rady, which is the Rady Business School program for alumni and current students. We have Stardar Social Impact, Impact, which is um, social enterprises. And that really actually came out of the students having an interest of having companies that would do good. Mm-hmm. And then, the last program is called Start Our Inclusion, and that's one I'm very proud of. It started off um, as my startup XX. Lada Rosa Chova and Rosa Bell started uh, my startup XX. And because I was teaching at Rady, she asked me to, initially I was a mentor for the program. Our first class of my startup XX, which was focused on females, um, was just three small companies, but one of them was, uh, I should even say ideas, but one of them was Ashley von Zeelen, who um, formed a company called Cypher Genomics. Um, from there, they asked me to actually teach the workshop. So then we developed a whole curriculum for accelerator programs. Now we have the umbrella of programs under Stardar. And I just really like working with students who have um, business ideas. I think. They have a lot of excitement, um, very passionate about what they're doing, and a lot of great innovative ideas. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I taught it as an adjunct professor in my alma mater also, and I, I know that excitement, right? The the working with young folks and uh, you know that that uh, that that sort of enthusiasm is electric. So I, I completely understand your passion for that. And so tell me a little bit also, as you're working, uh, as you're teaching, you created these other programs that are um, encouraging your students to also start companies and uh, 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 start new ventures. 
tell me about that process and what that uh, how that was uh, when you set that up and how the progress is going. Uh-huh. So we've set that up um, several years ago, starting off with the Meister Six and then with the Start Our Rady. Yep. Uh, we've then had over 200 teams that have gone through their programs, uh, raising an aggregate of $118 million. So, and wow. we've also had a couple different, four different exits as well, including Alex Trainer, who is now the CEO of Prodify. He had a company while he was in Stardar. Um, so Rady, he was a Rady student. So that's how I actually got to meet Alex and introduced him to Launch Factory. And he competed in the last round to become the CEO of Productify. Yeah. Um, so we had you know, programs where we, we provide not only the workshops, but mentorship. So with Starter Rady, we matched the teams with a, a mentor, someone, specifically someone I've worked closely with. Um, so we're very guarded in terms of how we develop the mentorship program and even how we do the matching. So that person makes a commitment to mentor a team for that semester and a half um, timeline. We're actually in quarters of UCSD. So from kind of the fall to mid-February. Um, so we do two different cohorts each year and culminating with a Stardar demo day where we have the starter teams from Rady and then some of the select teams from the other programs present. Um, so it's just have evolved, I would say, over time. With my startup XX, we were actually one of the only even female incubators. We were recognized by the White House, so we won um, three years in a row. We won an award for having the startup, which included providing some funding. So that was great because we could provide funding to our student groups to help them and do customer development work. Um, we also have sponsors. That's another way that we've now grown the program. So the sponsors provide some small funding to the program, but also um, incentives and um, deals for the students. So our Stardar Rady students get incorporated uh, for set flat price. We also partner with uh, one of our new partners that's Procopio on the IP side, so intellectual property. We've worked with a variety of different um, partners, Amazon, AWS, to all help our companies. Fantastic, fantastic. And I, I know the quality of people you're working with because I met Alex yesterday and he was amazing. And I understand that another one of your students, Kumar, he was actually connected with Launch Factory. Um, so tell me how that relationship came about and how you met Brad and uh, got to learn more about Launch Factory. Huh? So Kumar, who was in the Lavin program, was actually I think the initial person who introduced me uh, to Brad. Uh, so I came to their offices and was really impressed by what they're doing, very intrigued by the Venture Studio model, but um, really liked how Brad and James had really methodology thought about how they were going to implement this and how they tested it for their first company, even OmniSync. So I got to know Brad. I've had him present to my classes a couple times. Um, and then they asked me if I'd like to be a strategic advisor. Uh, and that's something I'm also an advisor for another fund in town that's called Founders First. Kim Folsom, it's focused on unrepresented minorities. Um, there I teach the startup program for her kind of on a ad hoc basis, but really liked what Launch Factory was doing and kind of jumped in and was talking initially to Brad about the structure of Launch Factory as far as the strategy, and then um, talked to one of their portfolio companies, which was OmniSync, and to Rupak, and so ended up being an advisor to 
uh, OmniSync as well. Fantastic. So now, so this is earlier this year, earlier 2020 this year, um, you're with, uh, you essentially joined Launch Factory as a strategic advisor. Um, talk to me about the structure of Launch Factory before we get into the specifics. I want to understand, you know, obviously uh, uh, we've spoken to Brad, we've so spoken to James and we sort of have their take and they have clear roles as far as CEO, CEO type delineation. But what did you think about the structure of Launch Factory uh, and, and what they're trying to achieve? So I really like the structure of Launch Factory because they realized from day one, it really takes a village in order to help companies. Yep. So we have the strategic advisors, then we have advisors for each of the companies. Uh, we have an entire internship program also that helps. Uh, we have Alessandra who runs the ideation process. Mm -hmm. In terms of this, the partners of like investment partners of the fund, if you think of a traditional fund, it's just the three of us. So Brad, um, James, and I. Um, in terms of the whole organization, it's providing a ton of resources. And I really believe it levels the playing field for an entrepreneur, especially a young entrepreneur who might not have um, the wherewithal or the funding to be able to start a company, to be able to go through the recruiting process, compete, um, have essentially all these resources there to help him or her essentially get that idea off the ground. So I think the structure really plays a part in what I believe will be very successful. Um, another piece of it is we raise money for individual um, cohorts. So right now is the 2021 Launch Factory Fund. So there's four companies as part of that. Um, so so we'll, we'll talk about more uh, uh, specifically about the 2020 fund uh, on the private side, because we want to make sure that we don't muddy the waters between the public information and the private. Um, but uh, just continuing th this concept of building the village of advisors, uh, a community for those ideas and for the entrepreneurs uh, to support them and sort of guide them as they form their companies. Um, I think for going forward to 2021, they already have a pretty amazing bench of advisors and they continue to add to that bench. So tell me a little bit about just the, the advisors that they already have and how you guys are continuing to add to that pool. Mm -hmm. So when we first, uh, when I first was starting off as a strategic advisor, one of the things Brad mentioned is he would like to have some others. Um, so actually, it was one and introduced them to Gail Moss, who I actually went to high school with, but oh, we wow. shared the commonality of um, she went to Stanford GSB, going to the law school there. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very good from the standpoint we always think about what we need in terms of bringing on advisors. I also introduced them to Annie Ballister because one of the needs we really saw was kind of the CTO role to help the portfolio companies. So initially, Andy came on just in as advisor and was also helping a couple of the portfolio companies. He's now um, also taken on a more active role as what we call an entrepreneur in residence EIR where he has that CTO type of role. So he's been doing workshops with the portfolio companies. So we always like try to think ahead of what we need in terms of people, both in terms of the strategic advisors for the fund, but also what is needed for each of the portfolio companies. James might have mentioned right now, we're looking for some advisors for Podify. 
specifically looking at that area they're getting into in terms of freelancing. So we can always surround our teams with mentors and advisors that are going to help them get to that next step. Absolutely. So I think that this mindset of not just having the great idea and not just having the great CEO and CEO, uh, the co-founders who are actually executing on that idea, but building that community around them, right? Giving them all of the advisors that they are, you know, obviously being uh, on the outside, you can see the 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 skill sets that they bring, but the skill set they don't bring and adding the advisors for the, the skill sets they don't have. So I, I think that's just, just such an amazing concept. So uh, thank you for sort of <laughs> uh, explaining that process a little bit. One thing also to mention, this really resonated with me because of my background, especially with IDG Ventures. So the way that IDG Ventures was set up, we were the venture capital arm of IDG, but we could tap into all those other resources. So I could tap into and talk to analysts in terms of the IDC, and due, dil- due diligence. And actually one of my best deals at um, other deals at IDG Ventures came out of that relationship of being able to work with um, IDG events. Fantastic. And that's really an interesting one because um, IDG events at the time was looking at the whole notion of the Linux world and they wanted to create a big Linux world um, exposition. And so the uh, president of IDG events invited me to an event in Atlanta. He was going to have a, a dinner. And at the dinner, he was inviting all the prospects of people who would essentially come and exhibit at Linux World. Um, so I jumped on the plane. I was single I was out there. And, you know, in hindsight, I should have invested in the whole table in terms of who I was sitting with. But sitting next to me was Larry Augustin from VA Linux. Yeah. Um, they had taken in a little bit of money from Sequoia, but he was about to raise his Series B investment. Um, so cultivated that relationship, and that became one of IDG Ventures' um, investments as well. So I really have always seen the power of kind of having that village, of having those different resources versus having a company have to try to just do it on their own. Yeah. And uh, with, with your background and experience, you know that, you know, that's one thing that VCs try to do, you know, com- uh, uh, groups like Sequoia and a lot of other VC firms, what they try to do is they try to provide all of those other resources that a startup needs. And sometimes it can be overwhelming, but if you do it correctly, it can be hugely beneficial like you saw, right? Exactly. Absolutely. So now you're with launch factory now you're joining as a partner to uh, at the company level as well as the individual fund level so now let's let uh, tell me about the role you'll be playing with the individual companies you've obviously met rupak and you know that that was the first company that they started omnisync um you've worked with elon and alex also uh, they're the newer cohort uh, they've been with uh, launch factory for only a few months now but you you work very closely with them tell me about the role you're playing with these individual companies and role you sort of envision going into 2021 so we're really trying to partner and work with them so almost think of it as an advisory board or even board member type of role. So I meet with them regularly. Right now, they're for two of the companies, they're really just setting up their minimal viable products and starting to test the, so again, they are providing resources. I'm giving them feedback about what they're doing. Um, with OmniSync, they're a little further along. Um, so 
there. I'm helping Rubrox strategize in terms of his fundraising. And I'll be doing that actually with all the companies. We're developing a fundraising workshop for them. We'll, we'll have um, other speakers come in talking to them about how do you prepare and what you need to do in terms of fundraising because you don't decide to fundraise and then start the process then. You really need to start thinking about it way ahead of time, um, setting that stage, cultivating those relationships. Uh, so I'm involved in kind of every aspect with the companies of how to help them grow and manage the business and also how to train them in terms of preparing them for when they do have institutional investors and they have board meetings as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, that working with entrepreneurs, I, I've, I've spoken to a few people who are not as experienced in the process. They, I've had like six calls and no one's written me a check yet. And, and, and that always sort of surprises me that, well, <laughs> if you've made six calls and you've spent, you know, a, a week on this, you, you probably haven't done enough work, right? Right. And I think that whole preparation and homework, that's something entrepreneurs have to learn. Um, they think they should just be able to ask people, oh, introduce me to an investor. It's like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. So it's so important that you're bringing that knowledge and expertise to these companies, you know, as they're starting. So it's not, you don't wait until you need money. You, you, you build that into the company from day one. So that's fantastic. Um, so uh, to, it, it, there, there are probably a thousand different things we can talk about, but you guide me. Uh, um, we want to learn as much as we can about Launch Factory. You've sort of spent the better part of last year uh, learning about this company and uh, uh, learning about the inner workings. Um, wh what do we need to know? How, how, how do we, from outside, get comfortable with what these guys are trying to do? I think the one thing you would want to really know is the people behind it and the fact that there's a strategy. Um, I've talked to many other investors about the Venture Studio model, and one thing is very clear is the more due diligence and work that you do on a deal, the better the outcome. The more work you do in terms of helping the portfolio company also, the better the outcome. And all these things are very deliberate at Launch Factory. Um, yes, the ideas come from Launch Factory. However, we have a very extensive recruiting process that selects kind of the best two entrepreneurs to partner with us. And they really do have the idea become their own. There's the starting part in terms of the ideation, but then they do the customer development work. They start talking to potential customers. They develop the MVP. And so as you saw from probably talking to Rupak and some of the other founders, they're very passionate about what they're doing. It's not like they're handed an idea. So one thing I would say um, in terms of Launch Factory, it's very much set up um, to scale, to do this. We see this model happening not only in San Diego, but in other cities as well, even in other discipline areas. You could have, for example, a cohort group that's just focused in FinTech, for example. Mm. So I think every aspect in terms of that ideation, launching the idea and then helping the company, one other area we're really working on and I'm very, being instrumental in developing is this whole notion of a strategic exit committee and investing really with an investment in mind. Whenever as a venture capitalist you do a deal, one of the things you do look at is what is the exit scenarios? What are the comps? What are the comparables? What is the likely scenario? How long are we going to be in this investment? How many rounds of funding do we think we'll need before they get to the milestone, 
milestone of either going public or getting acquired? And then who's that target list of who are potential acquirers? Now, all that information can change, but it's really important to think about that even at the time that you're you know, starting the investment. And we have the same philosophy here at Launch Factory. From day one, we want the companies to really think about that strategic exit process. Yep, absolutely. And, and so you're bringing together so many different ideas and concepts into one that I'm really excited. And uh, I'm definitely one of the investors in the company. So I'm a little partial, but uh, uh, I, I hope that uh, our viewers are intrigued also and uh, uh, join us in the, on the private side to learn more about um, what, how they can join Launch Factory family and how they can sort of participate in the process also. Um, so thank you so much, Kim, for coming on today. Uh, I really appreciated the conversation, all of the insights, and I'm actually really impressed with your background and uh, uh, wanted to see if, if we can do something together also because uh, I think you're, you're incredibly qualified and the fact that you're joining Launch Factory gives incredible credibility to them also. So thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, anything you want to leave us with? Um, just, maybe just one thought um, on Launch Factory is really from the standpoint of thinking about uh, for all you entrepreneurs that are out there or um, people interested in that model, I think it's actually one of the best ways of bringing companies forward because it's very difficult to be a single founder. It's very difficult even to just have your business idea and develop yourself. And one thing I've learned from all of my experiences is you really need accelerators. You need these other tools to really help you. And um, the whole thing of entrepreneurs needing luck is definitely luck is a big part of it. However, putting yourself in that place, that opportunity to have luck is really key. Absolutely. Absolutely. Making sure you have that village of advisors around you. So uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so thank you again for coming on. Um, for viewers who are watching, if you're looking for private information, make sure you log in and you access it on the private end. Um, but Kim, thank you so much. Uh, and I look forward to having more conversations in the future. Thank you. That was great. I want to thank Kimberly for coming on the uh, on the show today and doing the interview with me. I really appreciated learning from her experience. Um, having said that, if you have any questions, my email address is on screen, so please reach out to me directly. Uh, if you have any questions for anyone at Launch Factory, all of their contact information is also on the page, so you can feel free to reach out to them also. Um, Thank you so much for watching. Um, now we get into the fun part. Starting video four, uh, we'll, we'll be talking to the portfolio companies at Launch Factory. And I think uh, that team is amazing also. And uh, uh, a lot of great information and great uh, um, uh, uh, people there. So uh, I, I invite you to go to the next video. Uh, in that, I speak with Rupak Doshi. Uh, he is the CEO of OmniSync and uh, again is uh, fantastic. So uh, please check that out and I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Bye.